Coming up this hour, what is the relationship between our faith and our politics? And then we're joined by Phil Shepard to talk about his new book, Approaching the Almighty, A Hundred Prayers of A.W. Tozer. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on the last Monday before Christmas, Aubrey. You're going to get this every day for me. You're, You're going to be day counting down the whole time. You're the like a kid. The, yes, You're so excited. I am excited for Christmas, and uh, we're excited for this week to talk about Christmas and get us ready. Aubrey, I'm a little frazzled today. Can I tell you why? Yes, please. For the first time I'm in so a long sorry. time, everything ended fine. Okay. First time in a long time I got pulled over today. <gasps> no. You, you remember that? Breaker. You remember that feeling when you have your oh, when those, get those, oh, those lights terrible. behind you? You like buckle and you're so nervous. It's the worst. I feel I, automatically guilty even if I haven't done something wrong. Yeah, so I forgot like what do I it's been so long yeah. since I've been pulled over. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get pulled over for anything of breaking the law, like running a red light or speeding or anything. I literally uh my my license plate registration tags are a little overdue because of COVID, and I thought there was a sure. extension. So the lady was like, "I know we're getting a lot of people confused oh, okay, about this." Okay. So uh, gave me the warning and let me go. But oh, seeing those lights is scary. <laughs> it's so scary. That's so, terrifying. Well, it, I'm glad everything's okay and that you weren't. You didn't get a ticket. Well I done. I am well good. Done. I thought I'd go be heading off to prison, and you were going to have to go solo today. But I am here. We are ready Phew. to be together on this last week before Christmas. We're excited to be with you. All right. Aubrey, I feel like since even when Ian and I were doing the show and now that you and I've been doing the show, it feels like one of the themes we go back to over and over again is um, how do we help our how do we ourselves, but also helping our congregations and listeners? Uh How do we hold intention, but also where do they connect our faith and our politics? Oh, yes. How do do we live as a Christian and also an American? I've told you this before. I love our country. Like I am, I fly the flag at the 4th of July, right? Go to the parade. I love our country. And, And sometimes I think it could come across like if you're, trying to separate the two. Maybe you don't love them. I don't think that's the case, but there's, I want to have that discussion again right now. Uh, And that is how do we hold intention or or what's the relationship between our faith and our politics? And this became a kind of front news again on Twitter, uh, the Twitter world out there again, uh, as former president Donald Trump spoke at a church this past Sunday and uh, I want you to hear what he had to say. And Aubrey, I want to point out one thing, and uh, we'll have this discussion. Let's listen to what President Trump said. He loves God. He loves Jesus. And he's a leader. And he's going to lead us into great things and helping and saving Christianity. And we've done a real job. And as you know, we're in trouble now. We're in trouble. I think our nation's in great trouble. I don't think we've ever had a a time like this with what happened in Afghanistan, the way that was done so badly. And you look at the borders and you look at the inflation, which is going to rip our country to pieces. We had no inflation. We had oil, much of it coming from Texas. We even we even filled up the strategic reserves for decades and decades. They were empty and getting lower all the time. And we saw the prices at the right price. I said, let's fill it up. What about those strategic reserves? 75 million barrels we filled up. 
And we made a good deal for the country. We made a good deal for Texas. But I will say that uh, there's a lot of clouds hanging over our country right now. Very dark clouds. But we will come back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. I'm telling you that. All right, Aubrey, there's there's a lot of things that we could discuss here about where this took place and others. But I want to go back to one thing former President Trump said, because I think this is an issue on both sides of the aisle. This is an issue uh, with Republicans and Democrats. He earlier in that part, uh, he said something to the effect of we being his administration, Uh quote unquote, saved Christianity. Right. And I do think there are people out there who who attribute that to President Trump, that he is not he's the savior, but he kind of got in the way and he stood up for Christianity. And that's where we're going to now put our hope. We need to put our hope in the politicians who are going to save Christianity. We've heard this on the other side of the aisle, too. If you just vote for this person or this. And Aubrey, I think that's where it gets really dangerous. And and I would love for you Mm. to jump in here. This idea of. Uh, If we just elect this person, if we just have this court, if we just get that law passed, we're going to be a Christian nation. Mm. Christianity will be saved. Yeah. Uh, And the progressives feel it one way. The conservatives feel it another way. And you get this enmeshing of our politics and our Christianity when in reality, we as Christians are supposed to like like that's not where our hope lies. And so as you heard that, especially that line. Uh, kind of taking credit for, and he was off script like President Trump will be often. Right, but right. but using that line, we saved Christianity. Um, did that ruffle you the same way it ruffled me? I have a friend named Micah, Micah Fries who on Twitter talked about this, and he said, "Look, this goes beyond vulgarity and immorality. This is blasphemy." Mm-hmm. And and I I feel like yes, there are several things that you could talk about with this story, but. Donald Trump taking credit for saving Christianity is blasphemous. Mm. I mean, it is not okay. And we have got to be able to, if, if we have to be able to celebrate wins in politics without conflating them with the gospel or our Lord Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. we have to remember whose kingdom we belong to and that, like, hearing that we saved Christianity should, I mean, it should cause you to, like, freak out. Not in, like, oh, you're so worried, but, like, that is not okay for anyone apart from Jesus Christ to yep. say, period, yep. period, 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 done, end of discussion. And I think it's just a larger picture of the fact that we continue as a nation to somehow really toxically intermingle our faith and our nationalism. And I love America too, Brian. I also like wear my 4th of July shirt and wave my, my American flags. Like I love being in this country. And yet this country is not the country that I worship. The leaders here are not the ones I worship. Jesus Christ alone is the one I worship. And so I just think we have to be very, very careful with who we're allowing to sort of end up being our saviors here. And I feel like that's what this language is. I also think another thing happened that was kind of interesting, Brian. One, um, I, he started talking about Christmas, which might've been a lovely message, but then (laughs) Trump ended up making it about himself. And I feel like for all of us, that's a word we can so easily make this season. We can so easily make Christmas about us 
on many levels, right? Not that we're saving Christmas, but, you know, we we get very Mm self-centered. So let's be people who let Jesus be Jesus, keep Jesus as the reason for the season, not making about us, not making about nationalism. And I think overall for us, we have to be reminded and midterm elections are coming this year and it's going to be it's going to be something uh, is our hope put in the fact of who controls Congress? Is it who's in the White House? Is it what all of those are super important? Laws are super important. But what we want to start the show off by saying and we say over and over again is ultimately, regardless of who is in political power, because regardless, they're going to be fallen people, mm-hmm. our hope and 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 our savior. And we have a savior. We have a king. We have a messiah. So vote. Uh, you know, write your congressman, all of yes. this stuff. Don't ever fall into the trap that believes if we get X elected, we're going to be a Christian nation or Christianity is saved in our nation. Uh, no, we have a savior. Keep them separate. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus uh, and and then go out and vote. Love your country. Go do all of that. But remember that we have a savior. We're off and running here on this Monday. Excited to have Phil Shepard coming on. He's from uh, Moody Bible Institute for many years, Moody Bible Radio. But he has written a new book called Approaching the Almighty, A Hundred Prayers of A.W. Tozer. Fascinating person, A.W. Tozer. We're looking forward to talking about him with Phil Shepard next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we are thrilled to be joined by Phil Shepard. Phil served at Moody Bible Institute, their radio station there for over 30 years, and he is the author of a brand new book, Approaching the Almighty, 100 Prayers of A.W. Tozer. Phil, thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, thanks, Aubrey and Brian, for having me on. I'd love to um, just to talk about... uh, the ministry of A.W. Tozer, and especially these prayers. They are precious. Mm. Well, we are so excited to hear about that. We would love to hear, before you dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get to know you better. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I've lived in the Chicago area for many, many, many years, and uh, I happened to start working at Moody Bible Institute in the early 80s and spent my entire work career, uh, almost all of it, uh, at Moody Radio in Chicago, working at WMBI Mm. on the air, operations, uh, you name it, I've done it, <laughs> radio. Mm-hmm. And I retired at the end of 2019 uh, just as one of A.W. Tozer's prayers caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, I spent most of my pandemic transcribing prayers and creating a manuscript that we're talking about today. Oh, that's fascinating. And, Phil, we're going to have you read one of those prayers later on in the interview. But uh, why Tozer? What What is it that fascinates you and that should fascinate other people about A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer was a man that was saying things to me that no one else was saying. Mm. His passion for God, his passion to know God in experience, yes, in knowledge, but in experience is what caught my hungry heart, my burning heart, as as he would refer to it. And uh, I I just started listening to some audio recordings uh, that we had at Moody Bible Institute from his church, and over the next several decades, I worked um, little by little at uh, digitizing these and making them available and um, and so I've just been a student, a follower, not a worshiper, <laughs> but one who, who understands that this man 
had a, 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 a deeper passion for serving God. In fact, one of his quotes from his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, was, what comes into our minds when we think about God mm-hmm. is the most important thing about us. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful. And for people and, who and, aren't familiar with Tozer, can you tell us a little bit about his life and ministry? A.W. Tozer uh, lived from 1897 to 1963. He spent the better part of his life pastoring the Southside Christian and Missionary Alliance Church at 70th and Union, right in the middle of Englewood community in mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. from 1928 to 1959. He wrote editorials. He wrote books. He had a weekly radio program mm. on WMBI every Saturday morning for almost a decade from the to- uh, uh, from the pa- from the pastor study talks from the pastor study, and um, and he was a sought out conference speaker uh, throughout the middle part of the 20th century, and he was considered one of the top Christian thinkers of the century there in that, uh, I don't want to say pantheon, but uh, he was mm-hmm. up there with C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. um, I, I, and others uh, like him, but uh, he, he, he defied being labeled. He had no formal education. Mm-hmm. He was self-taught from wow. the Church Fathers, from classical literature, and hymnody was the base for his, 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 his teaching. Mm. And Phil, you, you obviously put in a ton of time uh, compiling these and, and putting them into a book, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about what effect uh, these prayers, what impact these prayers of A.W. Tovazer have had on you personally. Well, what they did was is they showed me that our God was God who loved me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Laura's story, I think, has the song, The Blessing, and one of the Like in the chorus, it says, God is for us. Mm. He's for us. And we live in such a shame-based society that that we don't understand that. But God is for us. Mm. He loves us. He's congenial. He's kind-hearted. Sounds scriptural, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And and it's that kind of, of, of understanding who God is that I caught from A.W. Tozer. And these prayers, they're just examples for us to follow. Uh, in fact, Tozer once said, the best prayer is not the form of prayer someone else written. It's the prayer of your heart. Mm. Now, mind you, Psalm 150 Psalms in the Bible are all prayers, and we read them. But he says, they teach us how to pray, but you in your spirit, can have a spontaneous utterance of prayer by following them. Mm. Mm, so beautiful. If you want to enter to win a copy of Approaching the Almighty 100 Prayers of A.W. Tozer, all you need to do is call us, 312-660-2594. Again, the phone number is 312-660-2594. And Phil, I wonder if you'd be willing to read one of the prayers from A.W. Tozer for our listeners now. Well, you know, on the average, they run about three minutes apiece, but I, I picked one out that would be a short one, <laughs> Perfect. a powerful one. This is one, and most of these, if not all the prayers, they don't refer to the message that he has just given or is going to give, but this one, it's from, uh, after, it's following a message on Samson. 
picture Samson. He says, Father, we pray that thou wilt bless us through the word. We thank thee for this picture gallery which stood in front of this great big man, Samson. We love him and we pity him. Mm. What he might have been and what he was are such sharp contradictions and the warning to the centuries. Oh, Lord, if we could never be as strong as he was, let us not be as weak as he was. Mm. If we never could be great, we pray thee, help us that we might reverently cultivate the little plant that we do have. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Mm, beautiful. Mm, that really is beautiful. Thank you for that, Phil. Again, the book is Approaching the Almighty, A Hundred Prayers of A.W. Tozer. And Phil, I know you said you're retired and this was a project, but it sounds like you probably have some more uh, irons in the fire. What's your next project? What is uh, after this one is done? Uh, what, what's, what's next for you? Yeah, I'll tell you what. After I finished this and turned the manuscript in uh, in late 2020, I thought, you know what? I, I've, got, I've got over 400 pulpit messages of A.W. Tozer, this man revered for his writing, mm. but he has something to say each week in his messages that he gave in the 1950s. So I started transcribing. I thought, I can do one a week. And mm. so I, I created the uh, TozerTalks.com. It's a blog, and I post a, quote, new message huh. every Sunday, and I've done it for 51 straight weeks. Wow. And I've been but even after I started that, I thought, you know what? How are people going to know that this is here? So I just created the Tozer Talks Facebook page, and I excerpt from the message of the week a paragraph or two every other day, and I just I post that. And um, I tell you what, in eleven months, there are now one thousand and twenty-five <gasps> people following worldwide That's the awesome. ministry of A.W. Tozer that was sitting on my hard drive here in the western suburbs of Chicago. Wow. And praise <laughs> God that people, and I correspond with people in Africa. In fact, the number one country of followers uh, is Nigeria, no way. followed wow. by, by, by the Philippines. The top 10 countries for Tozer Talks on Facebook, uh, four, of the top, four of the top 10 countries are in Africa. So oh, it's, it just amazing. blows me away that the, the Society of Burning Hearts is worldwide. Oh, I love that. Again, if you want to enter to win a copy of Approaching the Almighty 100 Prayers of A.W. Tozer, you can call us right now, 312-660-2594. Again, that's 312-660-2594. You can also find a copy of the book on Amazon and wherever you like to get your books. Phil Shepard served at the Moody Bible Institute as Moody Radio's National Operations Manager for over 30 years. Phil and his wife, Nora, have three grown children, nine grandchildren. They make their home in the western suburbs of Chicago. And Phil has this brand new beautiful book, Approaching the Almighty, 100 Prayers of A.W. Tozer. You can check out Phil's blog at TozerTalks.com. And you can email Phil at TozerTalks at gmail.com. Or you can connect with him at TozerTalks on Facebook. Phil, thanks so much for being with us today. Aubrey and Brian, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. You You too. too. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right, Aubrey. Jared Wilson, uh, he's a well-known Christian professor and author, been on the show before. Jared Wilson wrote a very short tweet the other day that, that lit the fire of Christian Twitter. Controversial statement. Ooh, Are you ready? Here I'm it ready. Is. Okay. It is a... Well, I'm going to say this is a four-word tweet. If one of those words is a contraction, does that still count as one word? I think so. so yeah, it's a four-word. Sure, re- sure. It's a four-word tweet. Okay. Virtual church isn't church. Oh, sure. That sure. was it from Jared Wilson. He went on to elaborate. He said, for everyone concerned, I'm forbidding ministry to those unable to gather. Let me offer this. When I was pastoring, there was a reason I regularly visited shut-ins and nursing homes rather than just emailing them or sending them a newsletter. Embodiment matters. Biblically speaking, it is even necessary. So I'll say it again. Virtual church isn't church. Aubrey, you and I are both pastors. Mm-hmm. We're living in a world. Neither of our churches, I don't think, uh, were virtual pre-pandemic at all. Right, right. Um, and so, but now we, we're out on Facebook and YouTube every week. Yep. Uh, not a ton of people watching, but right. it's, I've got my reasons for still having out there, but we're also meeting regularly on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Um, virtual church isn't church. What say you? Oh man. Oh man. I, I totally understand and agree with his heart that our embodiment, our physical presence really matters. Like we are a, we're meant to be an embodied people in community together, like literally doing life together, having meals together, breaking bread together, uh, taking communion together. Like to, that together piece really, really, really matters. Here's the thing. This is what I'm wrestling with, Brian. I don't think the tide is going to turn. Mm-hmm. So I think we're looking into the future 40, 50 years from now. I would say we're seeing lots of micro churches and we're seeing a lot of virtual churches. And so as a, as a pastor and someone who cares deeply about the gospel going forward, I'm wondering, do you utilize the technology? Do you get on board? Do you do your best to have both and really minister to people? Or do you try to fight the turning yeah. tide? I don't know. Yeah, so let's go generations from now when, like you said, it's not going away. It's more normal and more stuff. You and I did a story the other day about Craig Grishel's church doing mm-hmm. virtual reality right, church on right. the metaverse. Um, you kind of hinted at this. Do we embrace this right. or do we push back? Because I do think Jared Wilson is right. And Denny Burke goes on to also talk about this gathering defining us. They are being an embodiment and this yes. important of embodiment. And I think everybody will want to say, let me take it off of this, because I think the the, the thing everybody goes to is, uh, what about the shut-in? What about this or that? Yes. I do think we can still offer even virtual church for them and this yeah. and that. But what are we saying to the people who can be present? Mm-hmm. What are we saying to the people who are choosing to either watch at home or mm-hmm. they're choosing to fill their Sunday schedule and watch it when they can? Right. I, I think I'm more concerned about that one. Because, yes, I think that the older lady or the or the guy who's sick yeah. or, or, or the young mom, like, I do want to say, listen, we've got this technology. Mm-hmm. Let's use it for the glory of God. Right. So, yes, I want to visit shut-ins, but maybe I can also offer this. But I think there's a larger concern about can you be a part of a church only virtually right. if by choice? Right. Like if that's your choice. What do you think about that? Oh, no, I don't think you can be a part of a church because because here's here's ultimately a, another layer to this conversation. Is church just a Sunday morning gathering? No, the church is the body of the believers, period. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have a traditional 
by traditional, I mean like um, an expected Sunday service. That's that's culturally an expression of the church. Sunday service is not the only expression of the church. So I do think you can watch someone virtually online if you want to get your sermon, what have you. That's not what it means to be a part of a church body. To be mm-hmm. part of a church body is meeting, is gathering. It's like I said, uh, talking about the word, learning the word, serving together, taking uh, the sacraments together, etc. Again, that implies togetherness. Yeah. So, um, again, the exception. We, we, we can't make statements based on the exceptions. Agreed. Yes, I totally think it is beautiful, wonderful to offer an online service for people who are isolated, can't leave their homes, etc. Let's keep doing that forever and ever and ever. Amen. But not as a replacement to the local church body. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's well put. I think um, there are there are limitations to virtual and those limitations are exactly that, that we are meant to. It's the same way. I know this is going to sound a little ridiculous, Aubrey, but uh, you can't have a virtual family like I I I can connect with family far away virtually. And that's I want to use that technology. Mm -hmm. It's better than nothing. But when I can connect in, per- that is going to take that to a depth that's, that's re- you know, so much greater. Like we can't just be like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to virtually, you know, see these people all the time. Right. There's mm-hmm. something to embodiment. And yeah. so I do think I don't want to speak in absolutes like Jared Wilson did here. Virtual yeah. church isn't church. I don't agree with that. I would go virtual church isn't ideally Church, right. Or is it the best that's... expression of the church? Yes. Yeah. And are there people out there doing cutting edge stuff, reaching people virtually and on yes, the metaverse? There are. And we want to cheer those yes. on. But I, I, I don't want to go for the half a percent to be rule for everybody. Instead, yeah. I want to say, what is the church meant to be? It's meant to be embodied. It's meant to be life on life. It's meant to be we're, we're working this out together. And I think that has to eventually uh, have a uh, have an embodied um presence it's got to be down that road so this is not a question that is going away though Mm -mm. this is one we're all going to need to wrestle with all right aubrey coming up next i'm going to do something that i think that you're going to be excited about (gasps) what i'm going to combine our love for christmas okay and our love for the dad joke (gasps) stop it christmas dad jokes coming up next here on the common good am 1160 hope for your life it's time for dad jokes. Yeah, they're really bad jokes they might make you mad jokes but he thinks they're rad jokes they're the dad jokes. Duh. That's what we love to do here. I tell you a dad joke. Aubrey decides if it's a dad joke or a dud joke. Here we Is go. it funny? Can I make her laugh? I am so excited. So I'm good with the time we have. Uh, I'm just going to tell you a couple jokes. Christmas related. Are you ready? Okay. I am so ready. I've never been more ready. Here okay. we go. Here we okay. go. Aubrey, I know a lot of it is about uh, how I Your delivery, you. yes. Aubrey, what does Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? What does Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? Twerky. <laughs> that uh, might be the best one you've ever told, ever. Uh, I should have saved that one for last. Yeah. I knew that one would get Any you very easily. Any twerk joke will get me. I knew that one would yep. get you yep. easily. All right, you ready for another one? Ready. Aubrey, what do you get when you combine a Christmas tree with an iPad? Uh, what do you get when you combine a Christmas tree with an iPad? A pineapple. Oh. <laughs> it took me a minute, but that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That one did take you a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I like that. I like that. All right. You ready? Yes. So ready. Aubrey. 
<laughs> what goes o o o? Um, I don't. What does go o o o? Santa walking backwards. <laughs> I knew it was going to connect to Santa, but I didn't know how. Backwards is good. Am backwards I, am is I good. Am I three for three on this one? Yeah, the first one, the twerky, still the best. Aubrey, <laughs> what did Adam say the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty Christmas. good. Pretty good. Eve. Pretty good. I like it. All right. Got any more? No, those were my those were my big. I have four. a funny one. I've already sent it to you, but can you pretend like you've never I, heard it I, before? I was hoping we would have time for okay. that. Okay. Yes. What does Santa Claus post on his Instagram page? What does Santa Claus post on his Instagram page? Elfies. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Right? That's my first dad joke, by the way. Yes, yes. You got a little ways to go, but you know, we're we're good. We're good. All right, let me give you one more. Let's just pick a random one for here. Okay. Aubrey, how much did Santa pay for his sleigh? How much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Nothing. It was on the house. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. All right. These are all good, Ryan. I think I got you. I, I got the dad jokes across the way there. I'm I'm very impressed. That I'm very be, impressed. That might be one Tell of my Tell them my Lee Cyrus one one more time, because I just feel like for the people who missed it, they need to hear that one. Okay, here we go. Uh, let me get back up to it. Uh, Aubrey, what does Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? What does Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? Twerky. Twerky. <laughs> That's a good joke, Brian. There you go. That's a classic. If you got any good dad jokes, send them our way on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, we do love a good dad joke. You're listening to The Common Good on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. I just want to keep listening to that. I don't even want to introduce the show, but I'm going to. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. It's Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we're just chilling out listening to Charlie Brown Christmas. Do you think we could do the whole show to that? Like, in the background? It would be like... I feel like I would need like a pipe and like a like a fireplace over here. That sounds so nice, little snowfall in the background. I just love I love the Charlie Brown Christmas song. Yeah, that is so good. so good. I don't even want to leave that, but we're going to. It is the Christmas season, after all, Brian. Mm-hmm. And the Christmas season is, you know, known for giving, known for worshiping Jesus, known for the the spirit of Christmas. But one of the things that does tend to get a hold of us, especially me at Christmas, is materialism Mm. and consumerism and presents and shopping and all of the things. Ryan, has materialism distracted your heart this Christmas season? No, not at all. I'm only in the spirit of giving. I don't want anything. Of course it does. It does. You know, you Christmas, but, but I think about it more when I was a kid or I think about my own kids. Like nowadays, I'm more excited about time off. Or okay, yeah, being with my family, and yeah, getting away or whatever Margin. else it might be. Uh, but you remember when you were a kid and you were just like, "Okay, we'll go to church." Okay, we'll do this. <laughs> at what point can we just? Start when are we going to open the present? Okay, I know we have to have dinner first, or we need the, <laughs> the family's all coming over. Right? Can we, for the love of God, can we just open <laughs> so these presents? True. And that's all, Chris. What you we want to talk about? Jesus being the reason for the season, and we want to talk about <laughs> having an attitude of gratitude. All of the things that we can uh, rhyme together. Uh, it's about the tree and not just me, you know, all Ooh, this kind of Brian, thing. It's not it's about a new the tree, one though. you just dropped on us. That's good. Um, but uh, you, you remember when you were a kid and it was just like, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that can't be my last gift. There's got to be another one. Right. Give me another gift. And now that we're the ones buying the gifts, you're like, oh, my gosh. There has to be a limit to this. Right. Uh, But yeah, no, absolutely. Materialism's hard. It's a difficult thing at this time of year. I don't know about you. My love language is gift giving. So I feel like. Mine is gift receiving. So ironically. (laughs) That works well for us. (laughs) I feel like Christmas is my Super Bowl. You like, I am at my peak Love language, okay. motherhood performance at Christmas, and it's bad. Like I, I don't spend a lot of money because we don't have a ton of money. But what money I have, I spend on Christmas gifts, and then I'm always like, oh, and this, and then they mention this, and don't want to forget that. And and my kids are spoiled. We all just know it. Like we've all just come to accept it. Yes. I spoil my family at Christmas. So. I mean, my kids get two gifts and an orange. So just, no, I'm just <laughs> you're better than me. Oh, believe me, they get more than that. But <laughs> here's the question: uh, Now you have three sons. Yes. Do you put the same amount of energy, uh, less energy, or more energy into your husband's gift <laughs> as you do your three boys? Uh, a less amount of less. energy for sure. I make okay. sure. I don't know why this is a weird thing for me. Everyone has the same amount of oh, gifts. Absolutely. I want like if there's you know five, everybody has five. But I won't necessarily put the same time, effort, or even money into all everyone's gifts. The notebook, and I'm not allowed to look at it because uh, I, it would ruin some things. The notebook that my wife yes. has going, yeah, and I've I've seen it from a distance of like the columns and the. Yes. So it's like we're talking. You want to have like generally the same number of gifts, <laughs> yes. for the kids, not necessarily for right, me and her, right. but. For the kids, like the same number of gifts, the same general amount of money yes, spent. Same things in the stockings, kind of. Yes, yeah. it's, it's something. It's science. There's a science to it. I I don't have a notebook, but I I do have a note in my phone, my notes app in my phone. And mm. anyway, okay. So the question is then, let's return to the original question. Has materialism distracted your heart? Here's the problem. I do think it has distracted my heart, but then I don't know what to do with the fact that I just love giving gifts to my people yeah it's got to be like i'm not saying balance because i feel balance can get kind of be a lie but uh proper order perspective Mm. i don't know do you what do you think is there an answer i think the answer is that all of us are distracted by materialism let's get off of christmas okay like it's kind of the super bowl for materialism but let's get off of we live in an an uber materialistic society. Right. Our culture is based in many ways on materialism. It is Black Friday sales. It is get the next nice phone. Yes. It is, uh, you know, keeping up with the Jones, whatever right. saying you want. Right. We are a materialistic people. And so it requires a lot of effort not to be uh, in that current. Right. And so to ask if you're out there going, I'm not a materialistic person. I do I don't know you. Right. I think you're probably lying. Right. I think you probably and are. <laughs> so uh, the answer to this is probably yes. The real question here is what do you do about it? What do you how do, do we become? It? I don't think the, I don't think the question is how do I become? How do I not be materialistic? Yeah. The answer is how do I become less materialistic? Okay. okay. How do I become? I take a little bit more of a biblical perspective uh, on life than than maybe our culture is because yeah. I don't think it's. It's just a really dip, it's a really high bar to be like I'm going to be I'm going to rid myself of all materialism in 2022. Right. I must said 2021. It's 2022. 2022 coming up. is coming up. Isn't that crazy? So anyway, you got all the advertisements you got going on, right? Yes. You got all. I, I get on my phone and they're they're feeding me stuff. Like everything's working to make you a materialistic person. So the question is, 
what are some steps that we as Christ followers need to take? Uh, and part of it's just understanding what the Bible says about materialism, but what are some steps that we need to take, and do we believe these to be true? Mm, I am so glad that you uh, segued to that, Brian, because over at the Gospel Coalition, an author named Emmanuel Marsh is talking about this very thing. What do we do if materialism has distracted our hearts? One of the things that he says that I wanted to share is this. Is Jesus coming after your favorite gift-swapping traditions? Not necessarily. Materialism poses the danger of feeding our sinful inclination toward greed, the desire for more. We want more things and we want less God. That's why Paul challenges us in Colossians 3, 1 through 5, to set our hearts on things above. And he associates greed with idolatry, urging us to put it to death. Our desire for things dethrones our desire for God. Mm. I think that's really, really powerful because at some point, yes, all of this gift giving I love to do, all of the shopping for my family I love to do. At what point have I put that on the throne instead of the Lord Jesus Christ himself? That's when I have to get before the Lord and be really, really serious about dethroning greed, materialism, consumerism, and putting God back where he belongs. Yeah, it's really... uh Kind of some of this is, you know, the Bible always acts as a mirror. And and you ask yourself the question, do I really believe X? Do I really? We've all read these passages. Mm -hmm. But do I really believe that uh, Jesus's words, do not store up for yourself treasures here on earth? But like, do I really believe that? The Bible has really amazing things to say about contentment that should be really freeing for us. But instead we read them and we're like. I don't think that's true. Like, <laughs> like that contentment so is not found in what we have, right? And that true joy is found in serving others. Like, mm-hmm. really, we know the verses. We know the passages. It's just a matter of, do I really believe that if, as Paul challenges us to set our hearts on things above, that that then uh, I get, you know, put to death greed and idolatry, that I'd actually be free and I'd right, be happier? Right. I don't really think so. I want the new iPhone. Or I want that. And there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing in and of themselves wrong about the new right. iPhone, but... Uh, that's where it becomes hard, Aubrey, because I don't think we're going to read anything here and tell people are going to be like, oh, what? Contentment is not found in more stuff? <laughs> right. It's just really, really difficult to live yeah. it out because I don't think we believe it. Deep I, down. I think you're right. We don't We don't actually believe it. We don't actually believe that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of consumerism. And we don't actually believe that, you know, the sacrificial life is better than the sweet life. Like we just, we really don't. And so I do think this has to be a work of, God in our hearts that um, moves us to treasuring the right things, seeking the kingdom, setting our hearts on God more than on the temporary things of this earth. And um, not not here. Here's what the article says. And we'll end with this. The problem with materialism isn't about gaining possessions. It's about losing perspective. Mm. Advent can be a time of anticipation instead of accumulation or anxiety, provided our hearts are in the right place. I think that's the word for all of us. Yes, buy the people the gifts that you can afford if that's a love language, but do not lose your perspective on what truly matters this time of year. Amen. All right. Well, coming up next... We have an incredible story of a mom reunited with her daughter after 100 days in the hospital with COVID. Can't wait to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We're so glad you're with us here today. 
Brian, there was an incredible story on Good Morning America. Love Good Morning America. I love Good Morning America. I love heartwarming stories. This to me is a is one of the anytime parents and kids are reunited mm-hmm. after a time away, I just melt. Like I all the tears come. But here's an incredible story. Autumn Carver, she was in the darkest days of her life fighting off complications from COVID, which she contracted while pregnant with her third mm. child. She was in the hospital for 100 days and Man. is finally home, gathered with her newborn son, gathered with her two daughters, and still fighting uh, some of the complications, yep. Yep. but home, happy, Working towards health and celebrating the fact that she gets to be with her family uh, this Christmas. She was actually at Northwestern Medicine here wow. in Chicago. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, so thanks yeah. to the team at Northwestern who took such good care of her. But um, the family was surprised to have her home. I know it'll probably take some time for them to adjust. But can you imagine being away from your newborn baby? No, and a five-year-old and, then, and a four-year-old. Yeah, five-year-old and a four-year-old uh, for 100 days. Now, the newborn obviously wasn't around for a hundred days, but the fact that she was away from the rest of her family for that long fighting for her life. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know, my mother-in-law was in the hospital with COVID for a while, but after a hundred days, I imagine you start to give up any hope. Yeah. I, I would think that her kids uh, were a big reason for her to keep going. Her husband also, uh, her husband, every day of it was by her side. And so grandparents were watching the kids. Wow. So you just think about what it did to that family. Carver's yeah. husband said, this is also Aubrey, I think I know this isn't the point of the story necessarily, uh, but how many people in our nation have gone through this this mm. year? It's crazy. Wow. Carver's husband said he was told multiple times over the 100-day journey that his wife may not make it. Mm. Just weeks ago, the couple said they were preparing for Carver to undergo a lung transplant. Wow. We would just pray together and use that to stay motivated, she said. We would look forward, and we were just taking it one day at a time. Uh, when she was discharged on December the 1st, she was able to walk out of the hospital on her own and did not need oxygen support, and the doctors called it miraculous. So it's a, it's a really good, it's a heartwarming story. It is a heartwarming In the story. midst of, not everybody gets this, yeah, right? Like this right. has just been, this is what it happens. This is what a COVID has done. So we're happy that this mom is is back with her kids. Yeah, and one of the lessons that she says they she has learned now that she's home is she's just giving more hugs to the people she loves, telling them she loves them daily. She's reminding her girls to be kind and to make somebody smile each day. She says our world could use a lot more kindness and forgiveness and joy. Oh, I just love that story, Brian. So it's, you know, we haven't been in the hospital, you or I, Mm-mm. for 100 days, but we know what it is to be with family. We know what it is to hold pain. So how can we, this time of year, cherish our loved ones, yeah. cherish the people around us? I think that's a lesson for all of us. What do you think? Yeah, and it doesn't need to be out of this kind of uh, tragedy or this, you know, intense situation. There's just a lot that pulls at us. And, yeah. and the Christmas is a really good time to slow down and to go, you know what? I'm going to be fully present with my family. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, but I take off between Christmas and New Year's, both from the church and we're not going to have any new show, like yeah. from the radio as well. Um, because I'm like, my kids are off. We're going to just spend time together. We're going to get away. We're going to be at home. Uh, but for me, the next step then is to be like, and I'm going to do some intentional things yeah. with them. I'm going to put my phone away mm, or I'm going to, 
uh, you know, we're, we're not going to veg out watching TV, which is fine at times, but we're going to do some things. We're yeah. going to make memories. I think there is a call at Christmas time um, to to be intentionally present with your loved ones, whether it's for the couple hours you're together on Christmas Day right. or the weeks you're together. Uh, be there mm-hmm. uh, because you don't want to look back and not to be too melodramatic, but yeah. you don't want to look back and go, man, I wish we had another Christmas right. or I wish right. you just want to go. OK, I'm going to I'm. we don't know. This could be our last Christmas. And so we're going to give it all that we got and uh, and 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 be present with one another. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a That's a good encouragement for all of us. Be present with one another. Put your phone away. Do the things you need to do to actually like be in the place where you are with your loved ones. And I, you know, I like that you said that, Brian, not just veg out in front of the TV together. Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, yes, watch a Christmas movie, but then maybe play a card game, make some Christmas cookies together. Tell your people that you love them. Tell Mm -hmm. your best friends that you love them. Like say the things you want to say, do the things you need to do and cherish those around you this year to make this Christmas, especially after the hard two years we've all had. Let's make this Christmas one to remember and one that we won't regret anything. I think that's an important lesson for all of us. Well, when we return, we're going to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. What does Mary teach us about healthy doubt and thoughtful surrender? You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so glad you're with us here today. Brian, uh, you and I are fans of Tim Keller. We would say we appreciate his faithfulness and all of the good things that he puts out into the world. We talked about him last week about his uh, fight with stage four pancreatic cancer. Yeah, that's right. We did. We talked about kind of his challenging tweet about um, kind of knowing God deeply in the suffering and that that it was really challenging for us. And hope, you know, uh, remember he said something about the slumber of the deep sleep of security or something when you're not sick or something like that. It was something and very Keller-esque. It was. So, no, I love Tim Keller's books and his sermons and even his Twitter account. Well, he has been sharing some Advent meditations online for the past few weeks. And um, this one, week four, he really focuses on Mary and Mary's um, thoughtful submission mm. and Mary's faithful doubt. And yeah. I thought these were really incredible points that he made. And so I wanted to play them for our listeners and then you and I have a conversation about them. So let's go ahead and listen to Tim Keller. When Zechariah, uh, when his angel came and told him about the birth of John the Baptist, when Zechariah expressed doubt, uh, the angel said, just for that, I'm not going to let you speak until the child is born. But here, Mary expresses some doubt, but there's nothing like that that happens. And what that means is the Bible's understanding of doubt is incredibly nuanced. This was healthy doubt. Or think of it like this. Some doubts, some doubting people are doubting because they don't want answers. That's why they're expressing their doubts. They just don't want, they want to keep the answers. They don't want to hear any answers. But some people doubt because they actually want more answers. They, they really want the truth. Uh, there is a tremendous tendency, unfortunately, on the part of a lot of uh, secular people to think all doubt uh, about God is good, that only smart people, oh, oh, smart people doubt God all the way through, all the time. And there's a lot of, I'm afraid, Christian people who think doubts are all bad. So if a young, young person in high school youth group asks some pretty strong questions, there's a tendency to say, oh, you must have faith, you just have to, you can't ask questions, you shouldn't doubt. 
But here is Mary, and she has healthy doubt. And it actually is very, very important as a part, as a way for us to get more and more truth and actually build up faith. That, that healthy doubt is a way to stronger faith. That's the first thing we learn. The second thing, the last thing, probably the most important thing, is you see a thoughtful surrender. Now, the reason it's thoughtful is because here's Mary, and she's asking the angel questions. She's not saying, oh, whatever you say. She's saying, no, wait a minute, this doesn't work. I, I'm not married. And she's troubled, and she's wondering. Remember, she's thinking all this up. So she's thinking about it, and she knows what's going to happen. Uh, even if she can convince Joseph of this <laughs> astounding thing, People in small towns, they can add up, and she will get pregnant, and she will be pregnant, and she will have a child before she ought to, because she's going to get pregnant before she marries. And in a small town, she knows the rest of her life she's going to be seen as the mother of an illegitimate child. She knows how vulnerable this is going to make her. She knows all that. And yet, she surrenders. And she says, I am your servant. And then she says, and I love the King James, let it be to me according to your word. Oh, so beautiful. First of all, let's just talk about Tim Keller just preaching through yeah. cancer. With I mean, there's voice. something so faithful voice. about that. Okay, but here's what he said. Healthy doubt is a way to stronger faith. And I feel like that's something that, you know, as Christians, we all have doubt. Everybody has doubt. Like, uh, let's just like. Put that on the table. Is this thing we believe real? Now, I know some people have a stronger gift of faith than others. But at the end of the day, we all have moments where we're wondering, like, okay, I'm banking my life on this thing. I sure do hope it's real. And I think the fact that Keller. Yeah, it's interesting. He, uh, we were having some trouble here because I dropped my microphone just broke. But we're going to be radio professionals about this. Uh, he, what I love about Keller is that he takes us to Mary and he says, hey, um, she could have said, God, I'm out. Like, I can't do this. Right. Like, it's not right. possible. Uh, people are going to make fun of me. They're going to talk about me, yeah. my life. I, I've got plans for my life. But instead, she has this humility to her that says, uh, how is this happening? And then God said, or the angel says, uh, here's how, you know, the Lord's going to come yeah. and you're going you're to give birth to this baby. And He's able. She's able to say, "Let it be as you've said," mm. and and I love that. She doesn't have all the answers. Her right. life is going to get harder. Right. It's going to go badly. Right. Uh, but she's able to say, "Okay, I have faith that you're making this calling yeah. that we are going to do this." Uh, and may it be. And earlier in that dialogue, there's the nothing is impossible with God. Mm. So and powerful. so, I think Keller has some really powerful things here to say about doubt. Uh, but man, I do think we said this a couple weeks ago, Aubrey. I do think having a conversation about Mary, way too many of us Protestants are like, no, Mary's a Catholic. We can't thing. talk about Mary. Yeah, right. That's that's to our detriment. Right. And so talking about Mary, I think, is super important. I'm grateful for what Keller said here. Yeah. And I appreciate that he did say there's look, there's a difference between doubt that doesn't actually want an answer. And that is unhealthy doubt. But doubt that is searching for an answer is actually a healthy doubt. And that's part of our faith journey. I think we don't have to be afraid when we start to doubt. We wonder, we have questions. A lot of us have very hard questions. Instead, we can use those to go in search of answers, right. to go get closer to the Lord. And I think at the end of the day, 
God uses our doubts as part of our faith in such a powerful, tremendous way that, again, they aren't something to be afraid of. I think when you're doubting to the point when you're like, and I don't care, who cares what the answer that's right, is? That's right. That's problematic. And then, like you talked about Mary's thoughtful surrender. I love that she did. She didn't just right away go, OK, whatever you say. I mean, she eventually did that, which is such an incredible example to all of us. But she did wrestle with the reality of like, okay, this is a sacrifice I'm making. This is a, um, man, this is going to be dangerous for me. This might ruin my future. And yet, Lord, may it be as you have said. And so there, I think there's this idea that a lot of us have that, you know, to be a good Christian, you're just like, yep, no matter what, I'll do it, God. Okay. That's right. But we forget that we're allowed before the Lord to really think through and wrestle and get to our yes in a meaningful way. Yes, Lord, I surrender this to you. I know it's going to be hard, That's right. but I'm trusting you and I'm, I'm doing it anyway. And, I, you know, I think that is not to, again, not to be afraid of that reality of like our humanity and our faith, but to embrace it as a biblical model. Yeah. What about the people out there, Aubrey? Why don't you speak pastorally to those people who are struggling with doubt yeah. in this Christmas season? They're like, oh. I don't. Know if I'm feeling it this Christmas season. I don't know. Maybe they've got a child who is doubting Mm. and they're like terrified. What do I do about this? Uh, How do we pastorally kind of counsel people going through that right now? Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, anytime you're in a seat, like I went through that season when in 2015, I lost my cousin Cameron, who was like a brother to me. I was diagnosed with a terrible autoimmune disease. I couldn't walk. Like that was a season of doubt. I've talked about this before on the show, but that was a season where I was like, oh, maybe I've been praying to the ceiling fan my whole mm-hmm, life. Like mm-hmm. maybe this whole faith thing is just a joke. And the only thing I can say to you is one, I know how painful it feels because it does feel like this this faith I've been raised in or this God that I have depended on, like what if he isn't as good as, as I've always been told he is? What if he isn't as good mm. as, as he it's has said question. he is? Those are big questions. Yeah. They're real questions. God can handle those questions. I think my word for you would be this with as much strength as you can muster, keep bringing those questions to God. Like, because the alternative is we go and we numb ourselves with, I don't know, alcohol, pornography, Netflix, shopping. We talked about consumerism earlier in the show. We fill in that gap of doubt with like all kinds of things, but Mm -hmm. we're actually invited by God to fill it in with crying out to him and lament. God, How long am I going to feel this way? God, how are you going to fix this? God, when are you going to show up here? And the beautiful thing about the Lord is because he's Emmanuel with us and because he is a God who has known suffering himself, he suffered the most horrific death that's possible on the cross. Yes. You will not be alone in your suffering Mm -hmm. and he will meet you there. But I'm telling you, it takes time. It takes this thoughtful surrender. It takes continuing to lean in and wait for God's spirit to show up. And he will. Preach. That's beautiful. I I got nothing else to add to that. I would just say, be honest uh, with your doubts. So many of us just heap guilt upon us. And now I'm doubting and guilty. And I think what that causes is I'm never actually going to wrestle with these things. I'm going to pretend or I'm going to discard. I'm going to do one of those things. Uh, But, but, Be honest. Be honest. Mm, Be honest. That's good for all of us. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.